Cold Stove. Happy Friday, everybody out there. Happy Friday to our Canadian friends. Happy Friday to our USA friends. Happy Friday to the, those listening around the world. We have some Sweden, some Swedish listeners on our D. How are you doing on this lovely, lovely Friday? Doing well. All-star weekend. Uh, things are getting hot behind the scenes. We have some stuff for you today. So it's a good, uh, good Friday for you, boy, Brett. Good. Good to hear it. Glad to hear it. It's been cold as fuck down here in Austin, Texas, NRD. We have uh, some some ice the last couple days. Pretty nice. Wanted to get out there on the rink. There's some viral videos going around of people skating around on Texas streets. Uh, parts unknown. How's the weather where you're at? It's cold. Okay. Very cold. I wouldn't say we have the ice, but it's cold. No precipitation okay. in parts unknown Ooh, right now. Okay. We'll see. We'll see if people can piece that one together uh speaking of parts unknown let's get a little off the rip our, our lord and savior we mentioned good friday already our lord and savior gary bettman happy 30 years of nhl commissionership gary bettman uh you want to do just this episode is just a rundown of our favorite gary moments yeah no let's stay tuned we're gonna be starting in a couple minutes uh that'll do it for this week episode yeah. <laughs> That's it. Our favorite Gary Bettman moments. He uh, he moved uh, the Winnipeg Jets to Arizona. They don't have any right. money. And then he had to move a team from Atlanta back to Winnipeg. So, he's not so yeah, really years. good good stuff. What else? Do you, like they, the, do you like the flat franchise values like over the last 10 years too? How about that? Well, see, I'm having a tough time determining which lockout was my favorite. 90, <laughs> 94 was really good. I mean, 94 was great. But, you know... Ooh, oh, give five me the, was, give me oh, the five was good, but 2012 they did play. Yeah, give so me the 2012 like, half lockout. Yeah, because it's like got to the best of both worlds, right? There's oh, a lockout, man. but they're also playing games. <laughs> Poor Gary Bettman. Actually, you know what? I don't feel bad for him at all. What is Gary Bettman's compensation? Do we know this? Uh, I couldn't tell you. I'm not sure. He does look like seven point five million dollars. Does anybody else think Gary Bettman looks like the Count from Sesame Street? Yes, he yeah, absolutely okay. does. Yeah. Two, you know what? Two lockouts. What? Well, uh, 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 uh. Three. <laughs> Do I hear a fourth? How about that salary? <laughs> then the the salary cap head fake this year, where it's like, oh, things are going better than expected. Oh, by the way, we're just going to do another million dollars next year, just to be safe. Mm-hmm. Anyway, NRD. You know, it's next weekend, not this weekend. This weekend's an off weekend, which should be dominated by hockey and college football recruiting. I could do a whole 45 minutes on college football right now, but I won't. It's Pro Bowl weekend. But next weekend, Super Bowl 57. You ready for this, NRD? I am. And our friends over at DraftKings are the official sports betting partner of Super Bowl 57. And they have all the Super Bowl action you need. New customers can bet just $5 and get 200 in bonus bets instantly. Plus, all customers can get in on the Super Bowl 57 excitement with DraftKings Happy Hour Super Boosts. Check the DraftKings Sportsbook app every day between 6 and 9 p.m. Eastern to see what prop bet will be boosted. Who do you like in the Super Bowl this year, NRD? Are you looking at any props? At this uh, looking at a lot of props, I do like the Philadelphia Eagles to win. Ooh, I Eagles s- are currently on my book, which is the DraftKings sports book, obviously. Uh, Eagles minus one and a half right now. Yeah, I mean, I- I'll ride with Philly. We're one for two right now on the NRD NFL parlays. The big one Last was week's Jacksonville. Didn't hit. Last week's uh, unfortunately didn't hit. I had the Bengals to win, which that game was, I, I sh- they should have paid out. That game was stolen by the NFL. Because uh, you know the NFL is scripted, right? Obviously. I read the script beforehand. Um, but you know, still batting five hundred, three hundred gets you into the MLB Hall of Fame, the Baseball Hall of Fame. So we're we're well above Hall of Fame levels right now, and uh, we're back this week. Give me the Eagles. Give me Travis Kelsey to score the first touchdown of the game, though. And uh, both quarterbacks like to go over two seventy five. Okay, that's uh, Travis Kelsey first touchdown is just a solid. Solid one. Do you do you mess around with any coin tosses or anything? No, that's a little too uh like I'll just go and buy a scratch off if I want to do that. You know? To me, like that I'd rather work the board and pretend I know something before I lose okay. than just blindly tell, you know, a coin. How about this? I'm gonna say any player 
to have a 55-plus yard catch, plus 250. I like that. I like that. That'll be my bet on the DraftKings Sportsbook. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app and use code WASHED, W-A-S-H-E-D. New customers can bet just $5 on Super Bowl 57 and get 200 in free bonus bets instantly. Only at DraftKings Sportsbook with code WASHED. Minimum agent eligibility restrictions apply. See show notes for details. NRD, there was a trade in the NHL. And not just one like a little hockey trade or change of scenery trade. Uh, a big trade between the Vancouver Canucks and New York Islanders. By now, you know that Bo Horvat is a New York Islander and Anthony Beauvillier and company are headed to Vancouver. Your thoughts, first of all, did you see this smoke and just kind of your your whole picture of take us through the NRD learning about this trade. Yeah, I mean, it, first of all, real G's move in silence like Lou Lamorello, and nice. uh, he, okay. he does it again. You know, he, he kind of came out of nowhere. You know, nobody was really on that smoke. Big shout out to Elliot. I think he was the only guy a couple days before to be like, hey, you know, might want to watch the Islanders. They've been kicking around, you know, Bo Horvat and a couple other things. But even that wasn't concrete. I'm giving Elliot, you know, the plug there for that. But still, even that wasn't concrete. Lemorello sits back and, you know, waits and waits and waits and picks his spot here with the Bo Horvat trade. It's a deal the Islanders had to make. They are struggling to score goals right now. Um, and, and Bo Horvat's been solid, right? He's been streaky this year. He started off red hot. Um, I think he came back down to earth much like that entire team did. And through the whole Bruce saga and now, you know, Rick Tockett being there. I just think that he'll find his game again on the island. The only thing that concerns me is that Bo Horvat has never been the goal scorer. And I still think that the Islanders need a goal scorer, uh, goal scorer rather. Oh, we are t-shirting that for sure. A goal squirrel for the New York Islanders. <laughs> the Islanders need a goal squirrel. Even a blind squirrel finds him not twice a day. That's why <laughs> Lou Lamorello made this trade. Um, well done. Yeah, I saved myself on that one. Um, yeah, no, this, this trade came out of nowhere in the relative sense that Lou Lamorello works in silence and you don't really hear about it. And uh, kudos to him for shocking us. And, you know, it's one of those trades that I, I honestly think that both sides won and lost. I think it's a net-net. I think Vancouver gets Anthony Bavillier, a player who they are not planning on flipping, who's a free agent at the end of this year. They think that they can rehabilitate him. They put a lot of stock in Atu Rati, uh, which I've heard a lot of people call him Atu Ratu in the past week or so, which I don't think is I think correct. that's, it's, it's not, it's Atu Rati. And I think it's I, I, like kind of the colloquial thing on the Island. Correct yeah. me if I'm wrong, Islanders fans, but I think Atu Ratu kind of took like a, a name of its own sort of deal. Yeah. I think it's Atu Rati, but a, loving, uh, a lovingly fine sort of mis term, in, term of endearment. We'll call right. it that. It's, it's exactly. like, us, it's like us saying, you know, Jesper, Jesper Brat. It's, Similar concept. <laughs> but yeah, they put a lot yeah. of stock in him in Abbotsford. Um, now in the AHL, he's going to have a chance to become a top prospect. And they get a first-round pick, which Lou Lamorello has protection rights over. But if you make this move, you probably are not protecting that pick. You don't plan on being in the top 12 anyway. So I think it's one of those – It's it's a. I don't think the return impressed me. And I don't think this Islanders move is the move that puts him over the hump again. So I think it's just a net-net. It's a good deal for both sides. But at the same time, I don't think I don't think any side really comes out of this like, oh my God, you know, we won that trade. Yeah, there there's no there's my initial reaction on on my end is like there's no crazy I guess the reaction was no reaction. I, I don't think any team got fleeced. Um I don't think Anthony Beauvillier like the I guess the only thing I'm worried about on the Canucks front is does Beauvillier Rati or a conditional protected first, do, do any of them ever get to the level of Bo Horvat? And I don't think the answer is yes, honestly. No. So you're, 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 you're trading out, by all accounts, an incredible leader, which obviously Lou covets, there's no doubt about that, for a good, you know, a, what's Pavilion? Second line kind of tops. I think second third. line if he hits that. I don't think he's right. There, right. Yeah. I think let me take that back. He's not a bad player. He's a good player, but I think that he hasn't been able to stay at that level consistently enough to just call him a second line winger. Definitely a top nine player, yeah. but but we're we're it's middle six and top top being his second line. Yeah, for Bo Harvard, who can play on a first line pretty much anywhere. So 
I just I think my one concern is like yeah pieces like the sum of the parts is is not greater than the whole maybe mm-hmm. in this situation and I, I that's my only concern now granted you can pick a a guy nineteenth and he becomes another Hughes brother like it's just that can happen as well obviously yep. look at the Tage Thompson trade so. I think that's my only concern on the Vancouver front because it kind of screams like, what's the plan still? Because Beauvillier is not 22. Aturati is sort of a change of scenery prospect anyway with talent, but hasn't really shown it and a conditional first. So it's kind of, it still feels rudderless on Vancouver's front. It, it but does. I guess I guess their their whole thing was maybe that they don't think Bo was comfortable signing a long-term extension in Vancouver, so they had to get something for him. Correct. Now, I think they shot themselves in the foot in some ways here, too. Good friend of the show, Kevin Weeks, Weeksy Bomb. Weeksy reported that there were a couple other teams in on Bo Horvat, and they didn't shop this Islanders offer around. When this offer came in, you know, if you take Weeks at his word, which, you know, like I said, friend of the show, we love Weeksy. Let me preface that. We really do love you, Weeksy. But if Just anybody, that one Calgary tweet. If anybody gotta, remembers the Calgary Jack Eichel tweet. Yeah, <laughs> so if you take Kevin Weeks at his word, Vancouver didn't shop the Islanders offer, nor did Vancouver allow Bo Horvat to really work with other teams before that trade went down on that long-term extension thing. So I don't think Vancouver played their cards the best they could to get the maximum return on this deal. And I don't think it's a bad return. I just, I agree with you. I don't think it's, I think when you trade, it really depends on your definition of a, a Bo Horvat, right? Like, when you trade a star player, when you trade a Jack Eichel, you're trying to acquire the pieces that will equal Jack Eichel, if not be better than a Jack Eichel. It seems to me in this trade, they tried to get a return not necessarily equal to or could be better than Bo Horvat, like you said. And and to me, that leads more credence to maybe the organization didn't think as highly um, as others did in Bo Horvat, or they were trying to get rid of him for some reason. Yeah. I just right, and I think the reason, if anything, is basically, could Bo have told him, "I'm not re-signing here, so go, go figure it out." Mm. I mean, I, could that could that be it? I don't know, I don't know. And then that brings us to the other part of this trade, back on the Lou front. I mean, is there any way Lou does this deal without knowing a deal is in place for Bo Horvat? No, I, I there's, which there's whispers that it's eight and a half by seven. Okay. So if that deal's done and where the smoke on the tampering allegations come from is one, it's Lou Lamorello, old school, you know. He doesn't trade for rentals if you're not aware. Two, like Bo Horvat's agent is is repping another five Islanders. So even if it's, if we're playing phone tag here or we're putting the uh, like the Jonah Hill Moneyball middleman on the yeah. on the phone instead of Lou, so Lou is technically uh, innocent, right? Lou's not doing this deal without having a deal done. No, in my opinion, Lou. and that's and which is concerning to me. Not concerning. I I don't give a fuck. Tamper tamper away. It makes the game more interesting, and we'll get to the game being more interesting later. But. When you're Lou Lamarillo, kind of negotiating this deal, and you're the Canucks negotiating this deal, how do you not, how do you not take that offer and shop it? And I only think that's because Horvat's agent is like, the deal's done, we have a deal. Like you know, like what what was the weird rush on this one? I guess. Yeah, yeah, it doesn't make sense it, to it me. It feels weird in a couple different ways. Now, to your point about the tampering stuff like that, it's not tampering. I mean, you know, it, it's it's quite simple what happens. You you mentioned, you know, there's an agent that reps five other Islanders, Vito Corleone. Well, I'm sorry, I Lou Lamorello, think... not Vito Corleone. I shouldn't yeah. say that. He might come after us. Lou Lamorello, you know, calls up the agent and says, hypothetically, if right. one of your it's players on the Islanders yeah. happened to be the captain of the Vancouver Canucks, but remember, this is hypothetical. And we're talking about, you know, player X. But what if he was the captain of Vancouver Canucks and wanted to trade? What would he be looking for in a deal? So it's one of those things. And, you know, if it does come in at that eight and a half by seven number, obviously it doesn't go on the books for this year. I, I think it's one of those things that the Islanders are trying to prolong this window with Lou Lamorello at the helm because they're going to have space at the deadline. I, I mean, you look at Cat Friendly right now and I'm, you know, I'm not. Maybe I'm running these numbers wrong. Maybe I'm not into the day-to-day of the New York Islanders. Maybe there's something I'm missing, and that's the case. Islander fans, 
more than welcome to tweet tweet us, tweet the show, tell me I'm wrong. But it appears that they're going to have $11 million in deadline cap space. They, they're going to make another move. And, yeah. you know, I think that this extension, the fact that it's eight and a half, the fact that it's seven years, lends more credence to the fact that they're just trying to extend this window. You don't really care about the last five, six years of this deal. You really, you're signing an extension, if you're Lula Morello, for this year and maybe next. And, and you're long gone by the time somebody else has to clean that up, you know? Yeah. Yeah. I think he's he's even said as much a couple times, been like, I'm, I'm, pl- I'm doing this for me. I, like, I'm... Who cares about the Islanders nine years down the road? This mm-hmm. is this is my time. Their time, it's over. It's our time. Herb Brooks. Sick and tired um, of hearing how. <laughs> what a what a great hockey team the Islanders are. Screw them. <laughs> our time. Uh, that's a little. I mean, I watched Miracle the other day. I was like, it's a great such movie. A movie. Great movie. Underrated soundtrack of that movie too. Let me Very. let me throw that out there. Um. So that so that's that's kind of we'll wrap up the Bo Horvat thing. I think the trade deadline will be the only driver of deals this year. It's it's tough with the salary cap the way it is, and we're just going to kind of have to do what we've been doing, and that's sitting on smoke and waiting for things to percolate. Right? It's the Timo Myers sweepstakes. It's the Jacob Chikrin sweepstakes. Matt Dumba's name will be thrown around again and again and again. Jordan Greenway is another name I heard on the Sabres. Shouts to the after the whistle guys this week. Um, didn't even check on that one because I don't. Uh, I don't. It's, it's going to be traded. Yeah. So, so we'll see. We'll see. But uh, who's next? Is it Chitrin? Is it Meyer? Is it a Brock Besser who has who has nine goals this year in forty one games? It might be Luke Shen. Not a big name, but yeah. I think it might be Luke Shen. Okay. And. You know what team could potentially, you know, if they go the Brock Besser route, just take both of them? And that's the New Jersey Devils. Because we said on this show last week, and I know for a fact Tommy Fitz is not only going to add, you know, maybe a star player at the deadline, he's going to look to bolster that blue line so they don't get pushed around. Okay. And, you know, Luke Shen's not a guy that's going to get pushed around. No, I agree. Can I give you my uh, my official Whatever team trades for this rental is the Stanley Cup champion. We're ready to make that now. Prediction of the year. You're ready to do it now. Oh, yeah. On this show. I'm ready to do it. I'm ready to do it. Should I I give you a drum roll? Hold on. I got to make sure he's not hurt. Oh, well. So then you're not ready. You're doing this on the fly. I'm disappointed. I know. I know. Maybe I'll wait till till the trade deadline. Well, Um, we'll we'll we'll, we'll have time for it if you don't want to get it out right now. I'll just say it. All right. I'll say it. Grant, as long as he get, comes back from LTIR healthy, because he's going to get traded. Now I know who you're going to say. You just revealed it. Sean Monahan is my answer. Oh, really? Yeah. I thought you were going to say Gustav Nyquist, who's also going to be on LTIR and will be back to the playoffs. So I think whoever trades for Monahan, he's just going to be that like third line glue, second line center, like. Big power play two goal in the playoffs in game five somewhere. Sean Monahan is my our, uh, our Terry Lackanen trophy cold stove winner of the year. Which I'm glad you brought up by Terry Lackanen because honestly, I love you, brother. But I also think that you're riding this heat check from last year's prediction a little too hot right now because I don't think that that's <laughs> going to come to fruition this year. I really don't. You don't think you don't think whoever trades for Sean Monahan is going to win the, the Stanley Cup? No, I really don't. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, maybe I, I, I'll, I I'll give to, you a redo. Uh, I'll give you a uh, I'll give you a do over. Give me. Uh, I'll, I need to see who's healthy at the deadline, and then I will officially make my prediction. But Monahan, he's still giving me the mix. Probably, maybe you know what? I'll I'll go with the easy answer and say like Ryan O'Reilly, chalk, 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 chalk. Anyway, NRD, who's next in your mind? Do you have any 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 smoke? Anything you're sitting not sitting on necessarily, but anything you're chasing down currently as no, far as I, trades go? You know. I get a lot of tweets, you know, is Timo Meyer a lock for New Jersey or is he a lock for New York? I, I think there's so much smoke on Timo Meyer right now. I think there's a lot of teams still involved. Listen, we've seen it with, you know, Lou Amarillo and Bo Horvat. A deal can go down at any second, but I do think this one takes a little bit more time because I think there's a lot of teams involved. I think, you know, eventually San Jose will get to the point where they allow serious bidders to, to talk to Timo Meyer and see where his head's at, you know, going into an RFA year with a huge qualifying offer. So, I think this that'll run a little bit longer. I think Vancouver's heading towards that sell-off now. That's why I mentioned Luke Shen. 
I do wonder what Philadelphia does. Um, you know, all you know, off ice stuff aside, I think the smoke on Ivan Provorov is kind of quieted, regardless of what went down um, with with that in, you know incident, if you will, you want to call it that. Um, I think that's disregard for people's social. Yeah, yeah, we'll, yeah we'll just call it. We'll that. leave, we'll leave it. Yeah, yeah, we'll leave that alone. I think the smoke died down before that and continued to die down after that. But I think the Philly's going to sell off soon. I wouldn't be surprised if Carter Hart's name was thrown around there. Um, again, we talk about Thatcher Demko and that goalie market. You know, there aren't too many seats on the carousel right now. But Carter Hart, I could see a guy that team's calling about. And, you know, does Chuck Fletcher do it? He's going to be in charge at the deadline. You know, I'll put my hand up and, you know, shout out to Charlie O'Connor, beat writer for the Flyers at The Athletic. Covers the team really, really well. Mentioned in the tweet a couple weeks ago, you know, when we reported on the show and good friend Ann Sanfilippo reported that Chuck Fletcher's seat was red hot and he was going to be out by the new year. It was. It just what happened was, was they were waiting for that next straw to break the camel's back. And it didn't really happen. Like they just kind of flatlined. They lost like four. They won, you know, two. And they lost. They didn't really have another embarrassing breakdown. And well, I they just... They yeah. had a couple weird like media things too with like the Yandel stuff and then the and Provorov and it was just it was just kind of this tumultuous yeah journey couple weeks that felt like not the time to to fire add on. Fletcher right. yeah it just yeah. so I still think things stand in point that Chuck Fletcher is eventually going to move on from the general manager manager role there but he's going to be in charge of the deadline and you know I, I wonder about them selling off I wonder about you know going back to Vancouver Thatcher Demko I know Elliot mentioned your team the buffalo sabers i personally don't see it i think they got enough invested in upl and eric Comrie and uh devin levi next year i think the thatcher demko trade totally 180s their current plans in net which i mean can never say never but at the same time it doesn't really make that much sense to me um i don't know i would think you as well so yeah, I don't really know who the next move is, I think, but you're going to start to see teams posture. And as we get closer and closer to that deadline, money's still jammed a little bit, but you know, we talk about a team like the New York Islanders, right? I just said it before and you know, they got $2 million in cap space today, roughly at the deadline, they'll have over 11. So as we get closer, more teams will start to pop up. Yeah. I, and quickly on the Buffalo goalie front, I I asked about that because I saw some it was Dem there's Demko and then there was somebody else too. It's just like guys are carrying three goalies. I got a ha 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 in response to asking about trading for goalies. If they do, I will be stunned. From who I've asked, they're not trading for a goalie. Correct. Not that they, like do they need a goalie in the future? That's a lock. Yeah, absolutely. Is it comprised of the three guys that are currently on the team? And Devin Levi, I think they hope so, but 100%, no. But this year, they're they're trying to to bolster their third line and their second line and a defenseman. Correct. With defensemen probably leading that uh, that bolstering priority. I believe the Chikrin smoke before I leave, believe the Demko smoke. Cor- absolutely correct. And, and even on Meyer, too, the Meyer whole thing was – yeah, like who who isn't gonna ask the price for Meyer? Yeah, Colorado is gonna ask the price for Meyer. Like like everybody is asking, not only because they want Timo Meyer, but to see where the market is at. Okay, mm-hmm. Meyer is this caliber forward. Can we go get Gustav Nyquist for if, if Meyer's X? Can we go get Gustav Nyquist for X minus Y? You know, like whatever that yeah. situation is. So that's where that stands. Um, speaking of buy and sell, though, NRD. You ever try to sell something online? I have at some points. You have at some points. Okay. What if I told you that Shopify makes it incredibly, incredibly easy to sell anything online? Cha-ching is the sound of Shopify in 2023. Shopify is the commerce platform revolutionizing millions of businesses worldwide. Whether you're selling jerseys, whether you're selling... uh, figurines, whether you're selling you uh, podcast t-shirts, perhaps. Keep an eye out. Shopify is the platform that simplifies selling online and in person. So you can uh, focus on successfully growing your business. How about that for a little tongue twister? Shopify simplifies selling successfully growing your business. Boom. 
Shopify right. is what Wash Media uh, has built their commerce platform out on. If you go to washmedia.shop, take a look, some merch on there. It's all built on the Shopify platform. Speaking of, NRD and I talked about this literally yesterday. Merch on the way, folks. Promise. Shopify covers every sales channel from an in-person point-of-sale system to an all-in-one e-commerce platform that lets you sell across social media marketplaces like TikTok, Facebook, and Instagram. Ever heard of them? Packed with industry-leading tools ready to ignite your growth, Shopify gives you complete control over your business and your brand without having to learn any new skills in design or code. And thanks to 24-7 help and an extensive business course library, Shopify is there to support your success every step of the way. My favorite part about Shopify is when you drop a shirt or a, a sweater, you name it, you can log on to the live map view and watch the little watch the little bullets bounce up all over the place, like people accessing your store. Pretty, pretty cool stuff for Shopify. So now it's your turn to get serious about selling and try Shopify today. This is Possibility NRD powered by Shopify. Here we go. Sign up for a $1 per month trial at shopify.com slash stove. And that is stove, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash stove, all lowercase, to take your business to the next level today. Again, shopify.com slash stove. One team I want to ask about before we hit the other side of this episode, NRD. You mentioned, you know, Chuck Fletcher. We mentioned some guys like Patrick Galvin and Lou Lamarillo. A GM that's sort of flown under the radar the last couple months. Is Chris Drury in New York? Yeah. A Final Four team that appears to be headed for a playoff run again. But what does is, what is a team like New York do this month? Is it sit on your hands? Or do they need things over here? I think they need things. But what you do know. they need? They have two first-round draft picks next year. Does that does Do they end March with two first-round draft picks? I don't think I they do. Year. They don't. Um, but what do they need? Do they need a Patrick Kane who's going to need hip surgery himself at some point? You know, is that what they really need? I'm not sure. Do they pivot to a Vlad Tarasenko who makes a lot of sense for them? You know, everybody's talking about the Panarin Kane connection. You know, fellow countryman Vlad Tarasenko is also there. So there's things for them to do. I would consider them in on the defensive market as well. The Luke Shens, the Matias Ekholms, the guy who could, the guys who could provide a little bit more um, sturdiness to the back end, not necessarily offensive prowess. They have that in Adam Fox and Keandre Miller. I think they need guys that could just log minutes in crunch time and not have to, you know, triple shift their best defensive pairings. Especially because, right, like Truba, Jacob Truba has been, you know, a leader, if you want to call him that, but he hasn't been the best version of himself this year. The New York Rangers on the ice as a player, so I think they could you would, use a I, bit I think more. you would ideally like Truba on a third pair, yeah. And at this point, have yeah. somebody right, right, and have like have him in the lineup, but third pair Truba, and put somebody with Keandre Miller that's sort of a heavier top four defenseman. Is that kind of fair to say? Yeah, I mean, you can you can plug and play. I mean, if you want to put. If you want to put Fox with Keandre, or you want to put Fox with Braden Schneider, and then run, you know, Keandre and a second guy, and a third pairing of Truba, you know, whoever they got right now. I think that there's there's things that they can do on the blue line there. I don't think it's going to be a Jacob Chikrin. I don't think he makes mu- makes much sense for you know the way they want to build that blue line at this point. But yeah, we haven't talked about Chris Jury enough. James Dolan's been out there doing interviews about his facial recognition stuff. And in the meantime, he's been saying glowing things about Chris Jury and in the New York Rangers front office. So, you know, it remains to be seen what they do. I'm just a little bit, you know, more inquisitive about Patrick Kane's health and how that ties into New York Rangers plans. Who's their their best scorer this year? Is it is it Panarin? Is it Zabanaj? Like who is it was, let, let me put it this way. This year, Jimmy VC. It's not. It's not. It's not the Kreider crazy year again, right? So if you take away Zabanajed, Panarin, and you know who who is that secondary scoring this year? Is it Kako? Is it going to be? Heel? I just said is it's it Jimmy VC. <laughs> Former Saber Jimmy VC. Shouts to Harvard. Is he is is Jimmy VC like? Does he? I'm I'm looking at his minutes. He's getting like 13, 14 minutes a game. Is he about to step in and be the guy in, in New York? He's got 20 points. I mean, 
Who would have saw <laughs> he's on pace? If he ends the season with 35 points, who would have saw a 35 point season coming from Jimmy Vesey? Uh, you know, who Jason Botterill probably saw that. Shouts to, to that debacle. I don't think you like Buffalo very much. I'm just going to leave it at that. Um, real, real quick, just wanted to say congrats to Dylan Strom locking up five by five. Five by five. Washington perpetually named in trade lists everywhere. Dylan Strom found a home. Good for him. Now, NRD, the second part of this episode, we need to talk ratings and we need to talk rookie deals. You got in the weeds with a tweet the other day. Uh, you familiar with this? I tweeted something. I thought I wasn't on Twitter anymore. Well, somebody tweeted about Mr. Connor Bedard, said, Connor Bedard, this is Danny Heatley, or some would say somebody like Danny Heatley. Well, Heat Daddy. Uh, shouts to Heat Daddy. He, shouts to Heat Daddy. He tweeted, if I'm Connor Bedard, I hold out. Okay? I basically say, screw this. I'm not having an entry-level deal. I'm a generational talent. Quote, no chance I let Gary make that kind of money off me for three years when I'm getting paid dog shit. Now, He's right. NRD, you quote tweeted, you said, number one pick in the NFL, $6.8 million. Number one pick in the NBA draft, $11 million. Number one pick in the MLB draft gets an 8 to $9 million signing bonus, and yet Connor Bedard, the number one pick of the 2023 NHL draft, will make $900,000 each year for three years in base salary. I just want to be clear because everybody came after me and said, NRD, you were being a little selective by the numbers you pulled and you're damn right. I was bonuses. I can get get bonuses. You're damn right. I was selective, but I will say this. It's still, it's not apples to oranges. You still want to play that game. The number one overall pick Paolo Benchero in the NBA draft, right? Got 11 point, whatever million dollars this year. Connor Bedard, if he hits all of his bonuses will make $11 million over the course if he hits everything of the three years of his entry level deal, and then he's a team controlled RFA for yes, you know, God knows how long it feels like at this point. My tweet was not to say get rid of the salary cap, you know, go full board with these contracts, start paying third line, start paying the Anthony Bavillier's seven eight million in the world because that's not the answer, and it's hard to do, right? I understand the NHL is number four, squarely number four out of the four major leagues in North America. And that in danger change. of becoming number five. Yeah, which is it, sad, sad. And we'll have that discussion, you know, as we evolve this. But the point was. You sell up these generational talents, right? Connor McDavid, Austin Matthews, Jack Eichel, right? Um, Ouch. Patrick Line, right? Who was generational at the time, right? That, you know, that was another big draft. The McDavid Eichel and the Matthews Line draft. And Connor Bedard is the next one, right? The fact that. These guys come into the league and they're starting off, you know, bare bones. Like, I I think that there needs to be a wage scale similar to the NFL. Obviously, you taper it down knowing how much revenue the NHL or the NFL brings in compared to the NHL. But there has to be a rookie wage pay scale that tapers from the number one overall pick, if that guy's a generational talent, all the way throughout the draft, you know, throughout the first round and so on and so forth. Like, because the fact that Connor Bedard's going to make 900 in base and, you know, pick number 32 is going to go up and play in fucking Moosehead, Saskatchewan for the next three years is going to make like 875. To me, that's a problem. I want to apologize on behalf of the Cold Stove Podcast to our <laughs> listeners of Moose Jaw, Saskatchewan. Because <laughs> my God, NRD just roasted you. You get my point. You get my point. Yes. And, and that's why like Keith Daddy's a funny follow on Twitter, but the tweet resonated, right? Like, we talk it because I think it I think it goes bigger than this. It goes bigger than the salary, right? Like we talk about why this game is number four and why you ask anybody on the sports center page, they don't know who the fuck Connor McDavid is. The reason why they don't is because the league doesn't have personalities. So when you have a generational talent like Connor Bedard and you know Heat Daddy jokes that this kid can't afford a G Wagon or a Ferrari in, you know, Orange County, that's how you grow the personalities of the game, right? I'm not saying it's I'm not saying it's self-sustaining. I'm not saying it's necessarily fiscally responsible. I'm not saying Connor Bedard would go out there and have all the chains and the G-Wagons in the world. But the point is, is it all ties into these kids being able to develop as characters, being able to develop as mainstream sports figures. We're not there yet, and we'll never get there with this league still has this old, you know, 
grind them out for seven years and then you'll hit UFA mentality. And I think that's the bigger issue here than necessarily dollar for dollar, right? Because I wish I was getting 900K a year right now. I bet you wish you were getting 900K a year too, Brett. And I thought a lot sure of people do. tweeted me. I saw a lot of people tweet me and be like, well, you know, he's making more than I could ever dream of in my lifetime. And you're damn right. And I don't disagree with that. But at the same time, it's not necessarily about that. It's about the fact that these kids, right? You want them to become celebrity status. You want them to become mainstream sports figures. They're never going to get there based on, you know, that rookie wage scale based on what you allow them to do. Agreed. Sorry, let me totally get off agree. my soapbox. Now, the problem with Bedard is, is, is I mean, leads have this this problem everywhere, but you can't really go anywhere. Like, I, you could go to the KHL, but that's not really an option right now. And there's no, like, alternative. I mean, what what is the the NFL locked guys in? So they have a scale, right? Boom, locked in. Baseball, locked in. Well, you can go back. Yeah. If you get drafted, you're right. You yeah. can, you're right. You can go back. There's no like, there's no other option, or the so the, so the player has very little leverage other than saying I'm just not going to play. Like I'm going to quit. I'm going to Anthony Kim this and go collect insurance payouts. But, but again, there's a difference there, right? Because you know, shout out to Anthony Kim, which he's been playing recently, right? Like, didn't he pop back up on the live tour or something like that? Uh, no, I, there was. I think there was a, a fake tweet. Oh, that saying was, that Anthony Kim was going to like pondering coming back and playing. So I on, fell for that, the, but tour. yeah, but um, right, like you can, you can't pull an Eric Lindros, right? Because no matter where you go, the base salary is nine two five or nine seven five or whatever it is for a rookie. Yeah, that's what it is. You can't hold out and say, you know, I don't want to be drafted here because that's a cheap organization. Like, so there's no benefit to holding out. I don't agree that he should do that. The point is, I think that systematically this thing needs to change a little bit and i think it needs to change at the lower levels now it won't because you see these nhlpa meetings and they're about to elect a new executive director next week marty walsh secretary of labor right now um former mayor of boston former mayor of boston kids yeah, so i was making that sure was yeah. bad. that was really bad but i apologize yeah former mayor fucking fucking the- mayor of Boston kit like I can't I can't do Boston well man I, I, I get too New York with it I get too fucking bodacious like I'm just like gonna to stop f- doing accents I can do Canadian pretty well buddy but I'm gonna I'd leave like, Boston and New York alone I'd like to formally apologize on behalf of the Cold Still Podcast <laughs> <laughs> to the people of Boston Massachusetts for Brett Fucking absolutely Boston destroying kid. um and making an SNL parody of your parody of your accent but yeah, no, they're going to elect him. And the problem is the rookies aren't going to get enough of a seat at the table in the next CBA negotiations. The older guys are going to want their money, right? They want their longer-term deals because they want that financial you know, protection throughout their career. They're not going to allow the younger guys to have a big enough voice at the table because by increasing the rookie wage scale and being in a hard cap in this league, it you know, you're squeezing the top end to lengthen the bottom end, right? It's all, you know, it's an accordion. So... You know, it won't happen, but I think it should. I think it's better for the game. I think it's better to see these young stars who, some valid points on Twitter, people are like, they're not proven yet, right? Like, you shouldn't be paying Bedard the buku bucks. He hasn't done shit in the league, and you're right. But at the same time, candidly, if you poured a little truth serum into everybody's cup and had these GMs speak, and there was a bidding war, like, if you talked about, like, the MLB's international signing pool for Connor, Connor Bedard, <laughs> I think teams should, would shell out some fucking cash for Connor Bedard, let me tell you. Yeah. There's no doubt about it. And maybe that's where the fix needs to come in is like college football is like the the minor league NFL mm-hmm. that is bigger than Especially the NFL. Especially now. A lot of, right. Yeah, literally. Baseball has – similar to hockey where it's like high school, college, but kind of the only those two pools. NHL is international, American juniors, Canadian juniors – and college like there is the the, it's crazy how how the nhl draft works there's no like simplified feeder you know what you know what i'm for push the nhl draft back to 19 and at the 18 year old year you create a elite junior year everybody's 18 everybody plays head to head and you like everybody comes in you get paid you get paid pretty good money, and you get Russian kids, you get Canadian kids, you get some American teams, and you just have a super a super elite year, and you're only allowed to draft from that super elite talent pool. 
and everybody else is in like the international signing pool, like the MLB. Right. If you, yeah, if you don't want to come and play in that Super League, that Super League Junior 18-year-old year league, you stay away and you could sign. But it's You're basically right. a college free agent. You could sign exactly. wherever you want, which, you know. But you can't be drafted. You can't be drafted, which you can also argue, right, like the way rosters are structured in the NHL and the way it works, the NFL has a seven-round draft for a reason. Pretty much everybody mm-hmm. makes camp. Actually, everybody makes camp. And yeah, undrafted free yeah. agents make camp. Mm-hmm. The MOB has a 3500 <laughs> round draft. Guys getting drafted in the 32nd round or getting $400 signing bonuses. That's what I'm saying. Like That is over the top. And I wonder if the NHL is at that point now, too, where it's like the way things are structured and... You know, because the minor leagues are so deep, you know, you go from the A to the E to, you know, all that stuff. Like, I wonder if the benefit would be, like you said, shortening the draft maybe to four or five rounds, you know, and allowing the elite pool of players, central scouting. If central scouting wants to say, here's the top 150, here's the top, you know, 190, whatever works out to four or five rounds. I can't do math. I'm stupid. Um, And outside of that pool, you're you're in a you're in a group where you could be signed. You know, you yeah. can pick and choose your team. You have a little bit of leeway with negotiation. You know, you have a little bit of pool money to, to play with. Each team does. I I just don't know. Like, I'm not going to sit here and say I have the fix-all for it. But I'm also not going to sit here and take it from people who are telling me there's no problem here. Look away. Or somebody saying I'm a moron four times over. I'm not going to take that. I agree. I totally agree. And, and maybe it's... Maybe it's not capping or, or it's capping that cell. Like, I don't know. I don't know what it is. But there's there's something that needs to be fixed there. And and smarter minds than NRD and I will take the opportunity to do that. Now, No, they won't. Not this no, league. You're absolutely right. Now, speaking of things, leads that won't do anything, um, stats come out the other day. I want to use the last part of the episode to talk about NHL TV ratings. This ties back to 30 years of Gary. This ties into new ESPN deals, TNT deals, et cetera, right? Report comes out, Sports Business Journal, shouts to those guys saying NHL ratings are down 22% year over year from the first year of ESPN TNT to this season. Now, on the surface, it's like, oh, that's bad. And yes, that's bad. Some caveats, though. These numbers don't take into account ESPN going head-to-head with NFL on Sunday nights. Mm -hmm. And if you were to take those games and basically delete them from the average, the number has actually gone up. So take away Sunday night games. You're not competing with the NFL. They're including those ESPN games on Sunday nights in the same window as the NFL, Sunday night football, in the average. You take those out, the average is actually up. So does that matter? You... You be the judge. I think yeah. it does. Some people are like, yeah, well, you're tr- still trying to compete with the NFL and getting smoked. Yep, you are. So uh, caveat number two, TNT is down 16% themselves year over year, but that's also not helped by the fact that new TV contracts with like Nessun, MSG, et cetera, are blacking out TNT games. Correct. And I have, I have a note on that markets. too. We'll go there. Hit me with your note. No, I, I just think the matchups suffer too, right? And also, oh, you know, yeah, absolutely. When you also, when you double, you I forgot to say you double your nationally televised games for twenty seven to fifty four, you're gonna run out of matchups, and you're and gonna get diluted. Not only are you gonna run out of matchups, but when some of the better players that you want to feature on national television are playing in Canada, and, mm-hmm. and TNT is a cable network in the United States, boom, there goes half half the viewership right there. Because they're not watching on TNT because TNT isn't available in the Great White North. So right yeah. then and there, you're like, you know, you aired the last week they had a Toronto-New York game on TNT. Great matchup. But only half of that, half of the interested parties out there are watching the game on TNT right off the bat. Right. So you, right. Got, the, you got the New York market and then it tapers off from there. Maybe the diehards that are really interested in seeing, you know, Austin Matthews and Mitch Marner. But again, just like we just talked about, the league doesn't know how to market anybody. So most of the casuals don't know who they are. You know what I mean? So like, yeah, you're, so the matchups are tough when you have double headers, it gets really tough. Um, it's better, right? I'm, I'm going to give credit where it's due. It's better than the NBC Sportsnet 
versus OLN Wednesday night rivalry era of, of, you know, national games, but it's still not where it's still not where it needs to be. And I don't know if you were done. So I'm gonna let you take back the reins a little bit. And then after you're done, I'm going to offer up my fix for this. I know. I I think there's, I'm, I'm going down my list and, and Carlo, Carlo, Carlo Koliakovo had a very good list. Shouts at Carlo. He said, no rivalries, no storylines. Uh, there's more buzz around trades than actual trades. The marketing sucks. There's too much math. There's terrible playoff formats. No staggered starts. And obviously, everybody's favorite Twitter response, we hate the digital ads. Quick on that. If the digital ads are getting your panties in a bunch, relax. There's one glitch a game, and everybody likes to tweet about it. And in fact, they're improving interest in the game. So, Oh, right. That's the that's the Gary thing. Um, and then there's the obvious things I mentioned earlier with the scheduling, with the blackouts, which are still, you know, not just national games. It is impossible to watch any local team unless you have a cable subscription and you're dialed in. Like you, the the, the barrier to entry on NHL games for a for a, a like a layman fan is immense borderline impossible you have to you have to it's stealing the the national uh stealing the national treasure that's a conflation stealing the declaration to figure out how to watch your team because i don't think teams do a great job you know they'll tweet out our games at seven uh on whatever network it's like no like let's get specific it's at seven on channel blank and if it's not here's how to get it Here's yeah. the steps. And they kind of hide it because they're like, oh, well, you have to subscribe to ESPN Plus. Oh, well, you have to subscribe to uh, Bally, whatever the Bally fucking plus. It's just, it's so difficult to watch games in market and out of market. Now, I and NRD are huge hockey fans. I know that I go on ESPN Plus first. I'm out of market Buffalo, so I can watch pretty much every game very simply because I have that advantage somebody in buffalo doesn't have the same advantage somebody in new york can't watch the rangers somebody in boston not can't yet watch the msg's gonna be just... direct msg's gonna be direct to consumer within the next six months that's perfect scoop, so. but like still if you can't do it today and bally was the same thing with dallas stars games last year because austin is considered a local market in dallas and so my buddies who are like i want to watch hockey i like the stars i can't and so it's just what like what i know why because the nhl is is worried about money over growth so they're greedy as far as the broadcast contract because there's cash up front there's cash up front it's it's a short-term play for a long-term problem and that doesn't usually go well that's a slow bleed mentality and it sucks and it sucks and that's not even that's that's just the first the tip of the iceberg when it comes to marketing can't market the stars Everybody wears helmets. Nobody's nobody says anything but cliches. And that's there's like a systemic marketing problem that the NHL is trying to be so low key and hits are out of the game. So you're not really highlighting hits. And now you're highlighting the the dangly dangled stuff. And I, I sound like a dinosaur right now. It's that like, was, fucking dumping chase. Kate, you want a t-shirt of gold squirrel? Can we get that? Yeah. <laughs> can we get a can we get a silhouette it's, of Zegris with dangly dangly gook? On a t-shirt, please. Yeah, the dangly, dangly gook. That it's just the NHL has a true marketing problem. They refuse to do the to to beef up rivalries, and so like when Ottawa and Columbus are playing, like who cares? Besides the ninety thousand people that are watching every Ottawa Senators game and every you know, it's there's just like there's a problem. Make the playoffs one through eight again. Make you know, there's 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 solutions that we like. Bring back Gary Thorne. Right, but there's just there. There almost needs to be like a marketing czar who's giving solutions to every one of these problems, and it just feels more common sense than it should be. So that's my my brain going in nine different directions at the same time that you guys listen to in real time. I'm gonna let NRD give his solution right now. There's gonna be a lot of untied ends and loopholes in the solution but hear me out we'll get there maybe we'll do it together with the cold stove army or whatever you want to call them perfect um 
Get rid of 82-game seasons. Don't go up to 84. Don't worry about playing in every barn. I don't think somebody in Seattle really gives a shit about the New York Islanders coming to town, or vice versa. Maybe, well, Matt Barzal, I just see, there you go. There's loophole number one. But I don't think Seattle really gives a shit about the Florida Panthers coming to town or the Tampa Bay Lightning coming to town. I think go down to 65 games, 55, 65 games. Own certain nights. Own own Tuesday nights. Own Wednesday nights. That's that's literally on my list. Own Own, night. Own Thursday nights. Own the nights of the week. Hockey night in America. Yeah. And then and then post February, you can use the all-star break, use that bye week as a rotation of the schedule. Then when the NBA starts heating up and you're losing that market or the MLB you know, season starts, own Sunday nights because the NFL isn't around. Own Saturday nights, own Monday nights because there's no Monday night football. So you can shift that schedule dynamically throughout the year. Go down to 65 games. Run it like the NFL, where if you want to get these teams in the East Coast out West and vice versa, play a division. Say this year that the Atlantic, the only teams that the Atlantic plays out West is the Central. Or this year, you know, the Met plays the Pacific only. They're not going to play the teams in the Central. That way you eliminate, you know, those two matchups each. So there's eight teams in division, or there's, yeah, eight teams in each of those divisions. That's two matchups per team. Again, do the math. I can't. But you're eliminating all those matchups. So now you can get down closer to that 65 number. You have that West Coast reach still and East Coast reach for the opposite coasted teams. You overemphasize the individual rivalries, not necessarily geographic, right? Because I don't think, I think some of these geographic rivalries are forced. They're not there. The teams aren't on the same, you know, path in terms of competitiveness, but enforce those in-division rivalries. And own the Knights and bump the games down to 65. Stop playing back-to-backs. Stop, you know, save those for something special. Make the back-to-backs mean something. Make the back-to-backs post-March when there's a big playoff push. Market the playoff push. Market this is the run. Market the Sabres haven't been in a wild-card spot in 47 years. I'm sorry, Brett, but it's the truth. Market them. Hey, here's their back-to-back. They're running now. Here's the playoff chase. Buffalo, tune in. Buffalo's a big market for TV. The in the in the chase traffic. The, the NFL has done it for years. Yep. These the games hunt. matter, right? Not yes. to say that the beginning of the season didn't matter because that's how you set yourself up. But those games set the set the show. Now post deadline in March, now you're gonna see teams playing back to back. Now you're gonna say see a Saturday feature after January first or after the trade. De- what move the trade deadline up so it coincides with like the end of the Super Bowl. So call it President's Day. President's Day is the trade deadline every Sunday. After the Super Bowl, through the end of the season, all 32 teams play. And you flex the best games of the week, playoff races, into primetime. That's my my second half of the season solution. Before that, you own another night. Maybe make it Saturdays in January. But like Sunday night hockey from February to April, you get 12 very solid weeks and then the playoffs start. Then playoff hockey obviously is its own juggernaut. Twelve weeks, it's the run. Sunday night hockey, Monday night hockey. Two best games, prime time. Stagger the starts. We talk about it all the time. Games can't start all at 704. Because mm-hmm. it just doesn't, it creates dead air. It creates too much going on and not enough going on. I don't mean to cut you off, but Brett, there were two games on Wednesday night, and both of them started at 7.30, and one was a national crazy. game. Crazy. And the ga- national crazy. game was Carolina-Buffalo. The other game was Toronto-Boston, and both of yep. them started at 7.30. It's an absolute disaster. Of you can the fix a lot of problems with scheduling alone. Yeah. Alone. Ugh. Like, if you sat— Why, if, do, why, if, are, we fan, why are we fans of this game? People are going to be like, you and fucking NRD hate hockey. You know what? We hate hockey marketing. Yeah, if you if you said screw you NRD, your idea sucks. I never want to hear another idea from you. I'd say you're wrong, but I'd also say fine. Keep it at 82. Go to 84. You can still fix some of those issues with scheduling. Just night in and night out scheduling, programming blocks. You can fix that. I think you need yeah. to stop looking at this game through the scope of, you know, I'm not I'm not going to say in the mindset of the players and the teams. Because that's first and foremost, right? You can't play this game without players. I think they're the most important part of this game. More than team owners and coaches and all that shit, right? People need to go on the ice and lace them up. But start looking at this game from a marketing standpoint. 
Start marketing it, right? That's the reason why, you know, I'm so off on a tangent right now. It's unbelievable. And we can cut all this if you want to. And if you're not listening at this point, I'm not going to say, you know, I don't want to say I don't blame you because I want you to listen to the show. We're rocking it here on the cold stove and I appreciate it. But if you drown me out by now, so be it. But that's why like the WWE has been so successful for so long. Marketing, right? It's all about the entertainment value of it, right? I'm not saying the NHL would ever... It's two different things. That's a little bit more apples to oranges, but they understand television. They understand marketing. They understand, you know, leading up to something, right? They build up to a pay-per-view, build up to a big matchup. You know, you can, you can storytell in a real sport like hockey through the matchups, through the scheduling, through the timing of this all, right? Ramp up to these big divisional weekends and, you know, these games, right? They don't do it right now. It's an and it's a shame. You know, you know what they, they do is they try to fix a marketing problem by saying, here's another jersey. Here's another jersey. Here's another jersey. Yep. That's not mark that that that's not marketing. Golly. And they can they can add some gravitas, add some gravity itself to games by getting announcers that have chops in the industry. Sign fucking Al, Al Michaels will do anything for money. He went to Amazon Thursday night football. Get Al Michaels on a call once a week. In the I, I actually am not an Al Michaels fan, so I'm gonna have to disagree. With okay, you. but Gary Thorne. I mean, Gary bring Thorne. bring heavy names, heavy voices, and like we know who we're talking about here on the ESPN broadcast. Wait, San Jose, Ottawa, on ESPN Plus Tuesday with Leah Hextall and John Butchergross on the call doesn't do it for you. No, it doesn't. <sighs> I love Butchergross. I, I love what he does. Uh, he's, you know what? He's a little, he's a little, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Fantastical, little buzzwordy, fine. But at least he's trying. Not enough people try with hockey. And there just needs to, you need to add gravity to matchups. And you can do that with the, the like Jim Nance, like you, the, the top, the, what, what top name in the industry? Is an NHL play-by-play guy. Nobody. Doc Emmerich was. Doc was. Gary Thorne was. Al Michaels was. 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 That's the problem. Who was the NHL's best play-by-play guy? Now, and I get a lot of teams have good regional guys. Same thing with like the Mets have a really good regional broadcast. But national guys. You know who was actually fantastic in the playoffs a couple of years ago? Mike Tarico. Who's that? Tariko. Tariko is incredible. Because he's a hockey I, I think fan. He, yeah, he's a hockey fan. Tariko would add some gravity. He did. He did the I think he did one of the conference finals the last year on NBC and it was fantastic. And so you just you need to inject some gravity. And and you need to fix schedule. Like, oh, we could go on and on and on. And that's what 30 years of of letting something get stale do as the commissioner. And See, we told you change. we'd have this like, whole episode man, about Gary Bettman. It all ties what, back into Gary what Bettman. What a tie-in by yours truly, but it just NRD. Well done, Brett. Well done. It's stuff like this that you can make so many changes that are not changing the, the size of the net and changing the distance of blue lines. And like you can make soft, squishy changes that have input from GMs that have input from the Players Association, that have input from coaches, that have input from the fans. You can make, you can create change in the NHL that's not the societal change. It is like nuts and bolts. Schedule, programming, storylining, uh, fucking calendaring. Like it, there's, there's, maybe I'll write a, like a manifesto. Change in the NHL. <laughs> By the cold stove podcast. And I'll just tweet it and I'll get our friends over, like Pete Blackburn, amplified a little bit. Shouts to Liam McHugh, who's been on this show. Get him to amplify, you know, maybe one of those. Or, you know what I'll do? I'll pull a Portnoy. I'll go chain myself with you under Gary's desk, waving my, my, my 25 pages of ideas and say, you're, you're going to have to arrest me. I And while, while I'm being let out in handcuffs, I'll drop pages of the manifesto all around so people know what I'm I'm fighting for. <laughs> I just takes, love this right? game. I love this. I fucking love this game, and the game doesn't love the fans back. Let's call it something other than a manifesto. Let's start there. Uh, okay. Second of uh, all, you know what? Fair. 
<laughs> second of all, maybe that'll be like a cold stove special. We'll have a bunch of our friends, right? Whether that's, you know, Petey, whether that's the other Petey, Pete Blackburn, whether that's Andrew Peters, whether that's Sarah Siv, who's done some stuff with us, you know, going back to Trade Melt Live. Um, People did uh, fucking another Pete in there. We'll do the three Petes. Yeah, we'll get we'll get whoever. But what we'll do is maybe we'll do a live reading of this one day. Maybe we'll get everybody. We'll do it's like an audio book. We'll get everybody involved and uh, we'll do a little Christmas special on the Cold Stove Show. How about show. that Cold Stove Christmas special? NRD, that's it for today. I'm fired up enough. I'm gonna go. Uh, I'm gonna go cool off and grab grab lunch. I haven't had I haven't had anything to eat today. Maybe that's my problem. Mad online. Mad online. You're not like yourself. Go eat a. Uh, Unnamed candy. Whopper, Whopper, well, Whopper. I was going to say a Snickers, Whopper, but Whopper. not a sponsor of the show. So no free ads. Uh, not yet. Not yet. NRD, anything else before we before we bounce? Nope. I uh, This is a fun one. Appreciate you all for uh, making it this far if you did. I hope you did Tune because I, yeah. there's some good shit there. Absolutely. Absolutely. I, uh, I think next week is going to be my formidable return to the ice after taking three weeks off for uh, – I broke a rib. That, it fucking hurts, man. Yeah, it really, really hurts. Broke a rib on a Tuesday morning skate, uh, and was have been out. I, tr- I was gonna try to play last night, just wasn't. I can't breathe. Like I can't. I it, the pain sitting here right now is zero. Finally, but like deep breath, sharp pain. So kind of need to be able to do that. Yeah, need need to be able to breathe to play. So that's where I'm at, and uh, probably probably wear some rib pads next time too anyway that's it for cold stove please follow us at cold stove pod on twitter and instagram i'm brett merriman at schmerriman on twitter and instagram that's nhl rumors daily aka nrd nhl rumors daily on twitter he's not leaving he ain't fucking leaving much like dylan stroman in washington how about that callback anyway that's it for cold stove podcast see you guys uh next week as the trade deadline nears where there's smoke where there's fire See see ya